Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hello and welcome to the Truth Hurts program, the 13th day of February 2024. For the rest of the country, just another ordinary Tuesday in the disastrous presidency of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. But down here in New Orleans, way down yonder in New Orleans, as they say, it is Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras Day. The final day this year of revelry, of Mardi Gras parades, balls, costumes, purple, green, and gold everywhere you look. Mardi Gras beads and plastic cups being tossed to you from Mardi Gras floats, crazy music, lots of wild partying. It all comes to an end tonight at midnight. I am headed, instead of going to Mardi Gras parades, to the day job in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So it's my good morning drive. And the good news for me there's nobody on the highway this morning. Lots and lots of people, state offices, schools, everything closed for the Mardi Gras holiday. The federal government, however, keeps on rolling. So I will be doing the people's work today in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hopefully they'll let us off just a little bit early, but I don't generally do Mardi Gras day festivities anymore. I stopped that when I was a much younger man, when the kids were little and what have you. So I will just be headed to work to do a normal day at the office. They will, of course, serve king cake the last day of that delicacy. And if you've never had a king cake, they basically come in three forms. A giant donut drizzled in sugary glaze and then sprinkled with candy-colored sprinkles in purple, green, and gold. Option two, it's an actually baked confection, sprinkled the same way, drizzled in glaze, sugary glaze, and sprinkled with colored little beads of sugar. Or you can get them stuffed It's a stuffed king cake filled with either cream cheese or raspberry, strawberry, some other type of filling, and again, drizzled with glaze and sprinkled with sugar. I think one piece of king cake has around 14,962 calories, give or take, and I intend to sample a little bit of each today. That's why! The host of the Truth Hurts program has tipped the scales at 201 pounds this morning. Now, after today, no more king cake. You should not be able to to find king cake anywhere at any reputable New Orleans business, unless there's some leftovers on the shelf from today. But it all comes to an end, and everyone supposedly starts to fast, to diet, to give up on their extravagance and their partying and chill out in reflection because tomorrow is, of course, the Catholic holiday or beginning of the season of Lent, L-E-N-T. And I went into that with you guys yesterday, so I won't belabor you with it again today. 
But if you see people around the nation tomorrow with a small plus sign or a crucifix in gray ash on their foreheads, don't tell them there's something on your forehead. They know. It's an intentional outward sign of their Catholic faith. And it is just as much a social faux pas to bring that up, to make a mention of it, as it is to laugh at a Jew for wearing a yarmulke, or to laugh at a Muslim for wearing a burqa or a, a towel on their head, as some people call it. If you are one of those insensitive people who makes rude remarks about the black smudge of ash on someone's head tomorrow, don't you ever, ever dare in your lifetime again to vilify or castigate or demonize or call someone out for making fun of yarmulkes and burkas because then you would be a first-class hypocrite. All right, we got that out the way. I told you yesterday, I've told you for, hell, I've told you for three years, and it hasn't happened yet, but I think it is getting closer. There are three options to the disastrous presidency of Joe Biden. There are four, but I won't dare mention one of them because... I'd have people knocking at my door asking questions. But he is an old man, so option number one is he could simply die of old age today, tomorrow. Or the government who is pressing his buttons and pulling his strings, who talks to him in that little earpiece in his ear, could simply turn that button off and he just goes away. That's option number one. Option number two... He and Dr. Jill Biden and his family can finally come to the agreement that he's simply not up to the task and he can retire. He can claim a sudden medical condition and retire with dignity and somewhat dignity in knowing that he's the worst president in U.S. history in that manner. Or we could use the 25th Amendment, which I've been calling for sparingly, of course, because if he goes out, Camel Toe Harris takes over as the president, and she is a bigger disaster than he is. Hell, she's utterly unintelligent. That's the most polite way that I can state Kamala Harris's condition. Utterly unintelligent. Have you ever heard her speak? Just look up Kamala Harris word salad on your web browser. Kamala Harris word salad. And that's all you'll ever need to know to prove that she is an idiot. So those are the three major options of getting Joe Biden out of the presidency, which is where he needs to be out of the presidency. Joe Biden managed to take a thriving, healthy United States economy that was virtually free of any sign of inflation whatsoever while Donald Trump was president. Four years of low unemployment the natural way, not the let's send everybody home and shut down the economy the Democrat way, and then try and take credit for rehiring 
about a third of the people that were unemployed before the pandemic. That's the way Joe Biden claims low unemployment. A lot of people just found out, hey, I can live at a subsistence level on the government teat, not work, do some side hustling, not get on unemployment. The unemployment numbers will look great for my Democratic hero, Joe Biden, and I'll get all these little side hustles for cash, plus a government check every month from this source, that source, or the other source. Artificially low unemployment under Joe Biden. Companies laying off by the thousands in every sector of our economy. You don't hear Joe Biden bragging about that aspect of Bidenomics. We have a border disaster. We have crime. We have unemployment. Whether they choose to call it out or not, there's a lot of people out of work. They're just not able to collect unemployment anymore because they basically ran out of time on the unemployment clock. We have a weakened military force. A massive invasion at our southern border. Inflation. Excessively high interest rates. What more could you want from a Democratic president? Oh, that's right. He has a willing media that listens to and covers for every one of his mistakes. Pretends they don't exist, and then when they come out, tries to put a spin on it. And somehow, half of the nation is dumb enough to believe when they say, well, it really all goes back to Trump. It doesn't. It doesn't. So I mentioned the three options of Joe Biden dying, because he's an old man. I mentioned the option of him being ousted by the 25th Amendment or impeachment. Either one would work. Impeachment would be much more palatable for me because the crimes committed by Biden and his family in his name are all impeachable offenses. And I mentioned the other option, of course, which I won't mention again. But aside from him leaving office, the Democrats do have the option of simply conceding the 2024 election to Donald Trump, calling it quits, and allowing Joe Biden to continue to run for president. And then by the same crooked means Joe Biden got in the first time, election interference, voter fraud, all the things we're not supposed to talk about because they supposedly didn't happen. The pallets of ballots in the darkness of 3 a.m. light, the middle of the night that just simply appeared at polling places in certain key swing states that had 100% Biden votes in them and not a single vote for Trump, statistically impossible to happen unless they were manufactured fake votes. They could do that again. They could hack into the election system, the voting machines, 
the tallying centers. It's happened before. But they deny it. We keep on pushing it. But they deny it and the media calls us nut jobs for daring speak what we know to be the truth. Despite having evidence on top of evidence on top of evidence of voter fraud, ballot box tampering, ballot harvesting, and all the others, Joe Biden has been your president for the last three years, whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not, he has been your president for the last three years. And he has virtually destroyed every positive aspect of the United States of America and turned us into a laughing stock around the world. If I were not doing the program from the front seat of the old F-250 today, I would play a montage of Joe Biden's incompetence, his ineptness, his mental fragility, his senility, his Alzheimer's. But I can't do that. All right. My third, my, my other option, away from the first three options. Sorry about that. <laughs> Joe Biden remains a candidate and loses to Donald Trump. That is a very likely scenario. And I think since Joe Biden has been in office for the last three years, the Democratic political party has put into place safeguards that if Donald Trump runs again, they already have their entire laundry list of things that they will investigate him on. They have their entire laundry list of things they will attempt to use against him. They have probably put in several things to wreck the economy should Donald Trump get back into office. They will certainly never take the blame for all of the bad things that Biden has done. And then suddenly, all of those bad things that I've been telling you about for the last three years, they will attempt to lay those at the feet of Donald Trump once he regains power. Suddenly, once again, you'll see the little COVID microscopic cell blown up and floating in the background of every newscast. You'll see a rolling COVID death count, state by state, city by city, and the national numbers right there on the screen each and every day, like we did for Donald Trump's final year in office. Remember that? The leading story today, COVID numbers skyrocketing under Donald Trump's presidency. We haven't heard much about COVID in the last two years under Joe Biden because the numbers were just as bad despite Fauci saying you had to wear a mask, you had to get one shot, two shots, booster shot, booster two, booster three, booster four, booster five. I have news for you, my Truth Hurts program listeners. We're in February of 2024 
And just as many people are dying today of the Wuhan, China, novel coronavirus of 2019 than died under Donald Trump's first year with the virus. His only year, by the way. As a matter of fact, the numbers were far, far worse under Joe Biden's first year in office than they were under Donald Trump's last year in office. But the media will never dare to report that. Oh, no, no, no. To do so would be to admit defeat, would be to admit that Biden's presidency is the worst in history. The Democrat Party was okay 30, 40 years later, knowing that Jimmy Carter had been the worst president in the history of the nation. All right, Martin Van Buren might have been a little worse, but hey, who's counting? But now they have to reckon with the fact that Joe Biden is the worst president statistically in the history of the nation. He has so divided the nation, not just into black versus white or Hispanic versus black, rich versus poor, Democrat versus Republican. He's not only done that, rich versus poor, pro-baby murder versus we don't want baby murder. They have polarized this country on every conceivable issue to the point where the people that I work with, I don't dare open my mouth and say a word about anything because I don't want to be accused of being a bigot, a racist, a homophobe, a transphobe, a Cowboys fan, a Saints fan, a Pelicans fan, a Lakers fan, whatever it is. I don't want to be accused of something that someone can use against me and actually get me terminated from my employment for simply having an opinion. The Democratic political party and Joe Biden and Camel Toe Harris and Chuck Schumer, through their divisive politics, have made it so that American citizens can no longer feel free to exercise their First Amendment right to have an opinion, to express an opinion, because doing so could cost them their job, their livelihood, their sacred status on social media. Saying things that are facts, like the vast overwhelming majority of crimes committed in this country are committed by black Americans, could get you you fired. Even though it's a fact, even though it's a statistical reality, the numbers are there. The prisons are filled with who? But saying that in the break room could get you fired for simply speaking a fact because it might hurt someone's widow feelings. Someone might be offended. And in the United States of America in 2024, with Joe Biden at the president's helm, if you offend somebody, you're a hateful, mean-spirited bigot, and you should lose your job, and we just don't feel comfortable working here if you're here. And that's not the way this country is supposed to be run. 
I'm offended every time I hear the N-word at a gas station blaring over some black person's radio in their car. But I'm just a cracker. Just a whip cracker. I'm just a white guy. So me being offended has zero power. But if a black person is offended, by golly, they get all the power. And that's reality. I'm not just making this up. If I'm offended by someone calling me a cracker, and by the way, white people, you should never be offended if someone calls you a cracker, and I'll explain in a moment. But if I get offended because someone calls me a cracker, oh, shut up, white boy, and go back to work. You being offended is not a thing because white people can't be offended. Black people can't be racist if they're talking badly about white people because that's the narrative that has now been woven into the fabric of the veil of Joe Biden. The veil he has cast over this nation. A minute ago I mentioned white people should never be offended by being called cracker. Because that term doesn't mean premium saltines or Ritz or captain's wafers. No, sir. To be called a cracker is the acknowledgement by a black person that you are a descendant of the crackers, of the whip, of bondage, of slavery. You crack that whip and put those black slaves in line if you're a cracker. That's what cracker means. They, of course, have lost that meaning. Just like when they had to find some word that was supposed to offend you during Archie Bunker's time on the air by calling you a honky. You ain't nothing but a honky. Hey, honky. That didn't offend me because it had no meaning behind it. The blacks claim that the N-word that rhymes with bigger is so offensive because it harkens back to the days where some black people, not all, some black people, a very small percentage of them living in this country, were slaves. Many of those were slaves to black plantation owners, mixed race, black and white, mixed plantation owners, who bought at auction from a black slave market a slave, a Negro, a member of the Negroid race. You have Negroids, Caucasoids, and you have Asians. And those are the names given to the different races. They're scientific names, anthropological names, biological type stuff there, scientific stuff. Negro means black in Spanish and in Italian from what I understand. I don't speak Italian. Negro shortened or slanged into the N-word that rhymes with bigger. <clears throat> Gotta be careful how you say that. If you take the word bigger and drop the B and insert the N, you end up with an N-word, a word that begins with N that rhymes with bigger. And it is offensive to so-called African-Americans, Negroes who live in this country, 
They don't like that. They don't like that designation. They don't even, some of them don't like being called black. Certainly don't like colored people, except when Stevie Wonder sings it in that song, Just Enough for the City. They don't like the N-word that rhymes with bigger, and I understand that. We try not to use that word, yet they use it. They use it all the time. I was actually called an N-word that rhymes with bigger at a convenience store because I pulled up to a gas pump that a black man wanted to use. I got there first. Wasn't rushing to get there. I pulled in. I was door open, ready to get out when he, man, at the pump, I want to use mom effing. And, and he called me the N-word. I said, really? You're going to call me that? That's rich. He got pissed. He wasn't happy. They call each other that. They use that term willy-nilly. But they get offended if I dare to say it. And it's false offended. They're not really offended. It takes them a second or two. They call it black shock. You ever heard that expression? I was black shocked. That white man called me a N-word that rhymes with bigger. I was black shocked. It took me a minute to realize that man had a nerve to call me that. What it is, is their delayed brain function. They hear the word and they realize, oh, wait a minute, Reverend Al, Reverend Jesse say I'm supposed to be offended by that. So let me make that shock look and bulge out my eyeballs and show my teeth and pretend to be offended. And then when they realize that they're only offended because someone told them they should be offended, it makes them even more angry and they react that way. I've been called the N-word that rhymes with bigger. It didn't offend me. I've also been called a cracker, and I just smile. Yep. Yep. Cracker of the whip of oppression. Cracker of the whip that kept people in line. That's what it means. So white people don't be offended if they call you cracker. It's just an acknowledgement of your what? your position in the hierarchy of the old United States of America and prior to the United States of America. I'm not celebrating it. I'm not bragging on it. I'm not claiming it. My family didn't arrive in this country until 1908. Hmm. 1908. That was a generation and a half after slavery was ended in this country. So I could never be a cracker by their standards. My family could never be crackers because they got here after slavery ended. But certainly slavery ended in 1863. That's 160-something years ago. Think about that. You could never be a cracker any more than Tyrone sitting next to you in the cubicle farm at your office could be a slave. He was never a slave. His daddy was never a slave. His granddaddy was never a slave. His great-granddaddy was never a slave. His great-great-granddaddy may, depending on the age at which each of those generations reproduced, his great-great-great-granddaddy was possibly a slave, but again, not every black person in this country was a slave at that time. 
Not every black person in this country today is the descendant of a slave. I'm sick to death of hearing about the culture, the culture. When the Blafrican National Anthem was played at the Super Bowl, by the way, I didn't watch, not even one moment of the game, could care less. But when the Blafrican National Anthem, supposedly, was played, Lift Every Voice, a religious song, there's been a lot of controversy about that. We'll talk about that on another edition of the Truth Hurts program. But all that serves is to further divide the country. The idea of a melting pot society is that all cultures come to this country and they melt into the American experience. That's why we can eat pizza. That's why we can eat tacos. That's why we can eat steak. That's why we can eat gumbo. That's why we can eat fried chicken. That's why we can eat, I hate to use the term, Chinese food, pho melting pot. Every culture comes together and shares their diversity with the rest of us. But the blacks wish to be separated. No matter how much they hated segregation, they choose to segregate themselves. They choose to try and force their culture onto everyone else. And that is the main reason we are so very divided. Oh, look at the clock, everybody. Look at it. Yep, we're out of time for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Happy Mardi Gras. Throw me something, mister, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Copyright 2024, the Truth Hurts Program Network, all rights reserved. Background music, Jason Shaw and Audionautics.